Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born, in Bethlehem in Judea. They replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now let us turn to Hebrews chapter 7, 1 to 2. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness, then also king of Salem means king of peace. God is the king of righteousness. God is the king of righteousness. God is the king of righteousness. He established his kingdom with righteousness and he governs his kingdom by his word and gives peace to his people. Therefore, he is the prince of peace. Righteousness and peace are different attributes, but they are in direct relationship. They complement each other. So when a king rules in righteousness, then the people will therefore live in peace. And so he is a prince of peace. Faith is to know that by faith we have been justified. We have been made righteous and it is to warmly welcome him uh, with everything. Do you welcome Jesus Christ, the King of Righteousness? How much do you welcome him? With all your might, let's give a round of applause. Yes, we welcome him. We warmly welcome him with all our might. And faith life is to live a life for the kingdom Christ governs and to live a life for his righteousness. So it is a life lived for his kingdom and for his righteousness. And that is what faith life is. Jeremiah 51.10 It says the Lord has revealed our righteousness. Come and let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. The Lord has revealed our righteousness. Come and let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. Meaning declare the name of the Lord our God is what that means. Today I am speaking about the King of Righteousness, Jesus Christ. So when speaking of a nation or kingdom, each nation has a supreme authority or power. So in a monarchy, the king has the greatest power, and in a democratic uh, society, it is the president. So the president is elected by the people, 
but uh, has this great power during the specified term. And while in presidency, the president holds this great authority. So we live in this nation called the United States of America, and it is uh, the most influential nation in the world. And um, depending on what direction uh, the U.S. takes, uh, it influences the most um, events in the world. So it is the most influential and impactful uh, nation in the world. And what is special about the U.S. is that there has never been a king or monarchy. It's the first such nation. So every other nation in the world, there had been the rise and fall of kings in some point in their history. But the U.S. has never had a king or ruling over the nation. So there is no king here in the U.S. But uh, now the U.S. has the highest and greatest authority and influence in the world. And... It's a country, a nation where the people uh, vote uh, for the president, elect the president, but the president uh, holds great significant power. It doesn't matter how they may physically appear or how they speak, but they have uh, great power and influence. And next year in 2024, the, there will be the presidential elections and the president of the U.S. is, uh, everyone will agree, uh, that the president has the highest uh, ranking power, is the most powerful person in the world, and such person uh, will be elected. So it is a major event. So we see uh, the candidates who are running against each other. Um, there, is, there is Biden and also Trump. They are from different parties and are different in so many ways, but they share something in common. They're they have a lot of issues and um, so Biden is under investigation and possibly uh, being impeached so um, if the majority vote yes Biden will be impeached and then Trump also has um, all these pending criminal charges against him so we're it's unbelievable that um, we're we are speaking about the most influential people uh, in the world uh, this day, but these unbelievable things are happening in a nation that is the most influential in the world. And therefore, it uh, uh, reminds us to think about what a nation and what king means to us. Recently, for Trump in the state of Colorado, the Colorado Supreme Court ruled that Trump is disqualified, disqualified from holding presidency. So meaning that no one can vote for him as he will be excluded from the candidate pool. So in that state, they already decided um, Trump cannot receive uh, any votes for he's excluded from that list. So of course, um, uh, there are motions being filed, but according to this decision, uh, it can make a huge difference in the elections next year. And not just Colorado, but uh, many Democratic states are uh, following this model uh, to make um, it illegal 
to vote for Trump for excluding him from the candidate pool. So there's a big commotion going on in our political arena. And if this prevents Trump from running for office, there will be havoc as the Republican Party um, won't stay still. So of course, um, you have no interest in any of this because you believe that Yeshua Christ is our king and the kingdom of heaven. But we also have to um, be mindful that uh, what happens will affect um, our lives. So when we look at uh, some articles uh, written, um, there are some articles who talk about the 2024 election and, um, and some articles are titled, Donald Trump poses the biggest danger to the world in 2024 and they, um, and they predict this coming year will be very dangerous and the main reason is because of Trump as he's like a ticking bomb and no one can predict what will happen. While it seems like it has nothing to do with us and, um, and no relation to us, but, we, but no, it will influence us, uh, whether it's socially, politically, or economically. Now, the Bible tells us that this world cannot know of the righteousness of God. And Psalms chapter 88, 12, it speaks of uh, the place of darkness, Hades, cannot know of God's righteousness. So anyone in the place of darkness in Hades cannot know of the righteousness of God. Uh, that it is impossible to even seek the righteousness of God as it won't be revealed what righteousness is if you are in this darkness. Until God reveals his righteousness, there is no way we can know the history recorded in the Bible, uh, it was to reveal and make known to us the righteousness of God, and um, that's his dispensation. When God began his works, he created Adam, who was deceived by the devil and was cast out of the Garden of Eden. And that devil is the ruler of the world, uh, the ruler of death, and now the fate of all mankind is in the hands of this unrighteous one, is bound to this unrighteous one, and as slaves of this unrighteous one, the devil, all mankind, was headed to hell. Now it was God's dispensation and plan to save us and deliver us from this uni um, universe Hades and let men know the righteousness of God, the king of righteousness, and that is what is recorded in the Bible. One of the major events in the Bible is the exodus of Israel. So after 400 years in slavery, uh, they were liberated and God said, I will be your king and you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation that you will be my people. And so they were liberated uh, from Egypt and then wound up in the desert and as a nation, they needed a law and commandments to live by. So they lived according to this law and they were given the law of Moses. And if they disobeyed it, then they were put to death. So they came out of slavery from Egypt, but in the wilderness, they did not live an easy life as they had to keep the law. Otherwise it was death. And that is why it's described as slaves who live in fear 
or having received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So of the two million who came out of Egypt, only two survived. The rest who grumbled and complained and were resentful for their lack of faith all fell dead. And this was a foreshadow of what was to come, of what the believers of today in this day and age are facing as well. And it reflects how difficult it is to make it to uh, the promised land and how it's difficult to make it to heaven. So one in a million chance that you may enter the promised land and all the rest fell dead in the desert. So it was extremely challenging and as the people of Israel were led to the wilderness, only a few of them made it to the promised land, the land of Canaan. So while living in the promised land, uh, we see how the people asked the prophet for a king. They said, give us a king too. So God saw the people uh, he led out of uh, Egypt and then to the wilderness and out of the wilderness and the prophet didn't know what to say. Um, so God said, yes, of, of, as expected from these people. So give them a king, but, and, but they should know what a king is. And the first king they were given was Saul. And Saul was given to the people of Israel. He was tall and very handsome and he became the first king so therefore he became very arrogant and did not listen to God's command. God instructed him to not worry about the plunder and to completely destroy the enemy but Saul spared them and he made excuses that he was giving them as an offering and Saul in the eyes of God was not a right fit to be king and what God said was because you have rejected the word of the Lord he has rejected you as king so as he disregarded my words I will disregard him so as he did not listen to God God forsook him and threw him away afterwards we see Saul went to battle and he and his sons uh, that generation was wiped off. Then later, God anointed and gave kingship to who? It was David. David, he was anointed as the next king. And he had that true heart to be king. Uh, and he was truly pleasing to God. So David could have killed Saul uh, he had many uh, chances and many moments he could have killed him, but he spared Saul's life. He did not lay a hand on him. Why? Because he believed that the Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness, and I would not lay a hand on him. So Saul tried to kill David many times, but even though David had the chance to get rid of Saul, he did not lay a, land, a hand on him. And one time Saul was sleeping and woke up and didn't see where his guards were and was left alone. But David said, um, the Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness and therefore I won't lay my hands. 
on the king. And that's why after his life was no more, God placed David as king. And in Psalms 35:27, it says, May those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they always say, The Lord be exalted, who delights in the well-being of his servant. My tongue will speak of your righteousness and of your praises all day long. So God places close to those who delight in God's righteousness and he is well pleased, delights in the well-being of his servant and it pleases God when he sees his faithful servant um, being blessed. Through the book of Psalms we see how David ruled yet he is also human and committed sin. So it was Bathsheba Bathsheba, a loyal officer's wife, and she was a married woman. So from the king's court, um, he looked down from his roof, and uh, that night she was taking a bath. And he laid eyes on that beautiful married woman and was like, oh my God. And David, he had many concubines, but yet he is a man, and um, at the sight of her, uh, he he called for this woman though she was uh, someone's wife and um, and then she became pregnant so now but Sheba's husband was Uriah who was a very loyal servant and but he had to be eliminated so he was sent to the uh, forefront of the battlefield and the sign was as he was placed on the front lines to let him be and it was a setup for him to be eliminated. So his wife Bathsheba became pregnant and now Uriah uh, was dead. So later Nathan the prophet received revelation from God and said to David, how could you do this? You have so many concubines and to this man who, ha who only has his one wife, you take her and impregnate her? So he rebuked him and as a result uh, he was cursed. Uh, now therefore the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah. And this was the curse that fell on him. That So this was the sin of uh, spilling bl uh, blood. And so that's why in Psalms 51 David says, uh, Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before him. So for the rest of his life, he repented uh, sincerely. He was praying and repenting and crying and saying, Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. And that uh, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And he's crying and weeping and repenting for the rest of his life and did not forget what he did. And uh, it, um, and his, and his tears are written to have soaked his bed due to all his mourning and repentance. And he said, "All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears." So from the beginning, God loved David, and as king, he could do whatever he wanted. But in this sin, God saw his repenting heart, and he blessed. David and he made Israel to be the strongest power and territory at that time. Uh, so during his reign the land was ex expanded and became vast and uh, he had many blessings and we see how God blessed David. So 
though the kingdom of Judah, if if were to name one greatest king, it would be King David. So why do we need to know all this? We need to find out why David is being referenced here uh, to lead to the next point. Um, and it's important. So David was living the rest of his life, all his days ruling as a king. Um, he ruled Israel for the rest of his life in righteousness and justice. That he ruled in righteousness and justice. And he had shown this to his people. So therefore, um, as he ruled in righteousness, he is therefore the king. Uh, he was a righteous king. David's son Solomon later inherited uh, the kingdom. And he was also blessed by God as uh, God gave him wisdom and knowledge. That God blessed him with wisdom and knowledge and he never once engaged in battle. Solomon, his name means peace, a man of peace. So he was not involved in any battle or war. So Solomon was the prince of peace and he was a very uh, wise king, but we could but he was never regarded as a righteous king. He he was the king of peace, but not a righteous one. So the people of Judah had been waiting for the Messiah, um, the who would come from the lineage of David, uh, the, as a descendant of David. But Solomon was never referred to as a righteous king, as he took in many foreign wives and he also worshipped the foreign gods. The these women brought with them so Solomon uh, therefore um, was never uh, regarded as a righteous king after Solomon the nation during the uh, rule of his sons um, the nation became two kingdoms so the southern kingdom of Judah ruled by Rehoboam in the south and the northern by Jeroboam so after his death, uh, the southern kingdom was established, and in the north was Jeroboam and the ten tribes of Israel. So from that point on, we see in history how uh, they went at it with each other. We see that uh, they came from the same lineage, but after they split, we see them engage in um, countless battles, and we see uh, and engaged in war with each other and we see how they were subject to other nations and were taken as captives and lost their sovereignty um, and their sovereign nation was no more so they decreased in number and power and in the midst of all this there was a prophecy that from the root of Jesse from the root of Jesse uh, a son would come. So who was Jesse? Jesse, uh, he was David's father, the father of David. So from the root of Jesse, a son uh, was to be born and his name will be the Prince of Peace. And uh, such person will come and he will rule in justice. In Isaiah 9, verse 6 to 7 and Isaiah eleven ten. It says, from the root of Jesse, um, the son, a descendant of David would come and he would rule uh, 
that this king is mighty and he loved justice and he would rule um, in righteousness. And this was the prophecy uh, that was made. So we see how their kingdom fell as they were waiting for uh, this Messiah. So the northern kingdom fell first in 721 BC and then 586 BC, the southern kingdom fell and they lost their sovereignty as a nation. So they still remained uh, as a people, as a nation, but their sovereignty um, had fallen. So they did not have any prophets or kings for the next 400 years, and we call this era um, the Dark Ages. The Dark Ages. So there, it was a time um, there where there was no hope, as there was no prophet. Meaning, since there were no prophets, there were no revelations from God, no guidance, and they lost their direction and did not know what was right nor what to do. So this was a dark time. They were lost and in darkness. But there was one thing they were waiting for, and it was the appearance of the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah as there was a prophecy that from the root of Jesse would come the Prince of Peace who would rule with justice and righteousness and that king, this Messiah, uh, was the one they longed for and waiting for. And when we set this as the background, that is when Jesus Christ was born. So what we, what we read in the opening passage, the Magi from before Herod, um, they were following these signs. So these magi, they had wisdom and knowledge above the common people. So they could have been Judean or, or Jewish people who went uh, to different places, who went abroad to study. But one knowledge they had was that the king of the Jews would be born um, this was a prophecy they believed. There, there was a prophecy, and according to that prophecy of the king of the Jews, they saw the signs that, that there was a star. They probably studied astrology, and they saw up in the sky this moving star, and they followed the star. They say they followed the star and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The king of the Jews, Christ. The king of the Jews, Christ, is to be born was the prophecy they believed. And uh, they, they saw the star's motion and so they followed the stars and the signs and Herod uh, heard about this and the people of um, the people heard about this as well uh, likely the scribes and priests heard about it and they were in chaos there was a commotion because the king of the Jews was coming and being born this was of interest to them they already knew there was this prophecy about the Messiah uh, who was to come and they believed in this Messiah 
this king to come, and that is why they were all in a commotion. So we ought to know this background in order to realize and see how um, see the pic the big picture and what impact this would have. So when Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. But um, it wasn't about going and worshiping him, but actually he was plotting to kill uh, uh, him. Because Herod wasn't a real king, but uh, he was appointed to rule over the people of Israel while Rome was actually in power. So there, that's why Herod w was disturbed and felt uh, threatened. And this was the prophecy since Abraham that this was the king of the Jews that God had promised the Messiah from the root of Jesse. And it was only King David who uh, the people acknowledged. And But now it's going to be a descendant of David, a root of Jesse. So... Bethlehem is where David was born so this was another reference that in Bethlehem somebody was to be born it is the king from the root of Jesse and David so must be like David so the so this was great good news for the people uh, news of joy as they uh, yearned and longed for a king so they welcomed this news however King Herod felt his authority being threatened so when the Magi were following the star, it just dropped and there was this uh, creation scientist who studied these stars that moved thousands of years ago who said that you can discern the star's path from the past 2,000 years ago. And we can actually track through time and we have the technology and the science that can actually reveal this to us. Uh, so it was the final prophecy made thousands of years ago as a descendant and root of Jesse and Abraham was born and they fell on their knees and bowed down. And shortly after this, Herod was enraged and he ordered the execution of all the young boys under the age of two. So when we set this as the background and, um, and when we look at this background and Jesus Christ's coming, then he displayed his miraculous works and signs and wonders and people thought he is the Messiah. Then he appeared before the temple and he said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And we see the buildup, he stirred up a lot of commotion and as he stood before the temple and declared this, so it was very shocking statement and they wanted to eliminate him and they plotted to kill Jesus. Um, they heard carefully what he said. And when Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. He said, the temple he was referring to be destroyed was the temple that contained the name of Jehovah. And Jehovah was whose God? It was the God of Israel. Um, the God of the descendants of David. So Jehovah God, through the root of David, the line of David, the Messiah was to come. And um, when he comes, they would regain their sovereign nation, a uh, nation to be ruled forever. And that was the nation they were waiting for. And this was their longing 
but Jesus was saying uh, this was no longer uh, that now I am here that Yeshua is here that the Son of God the only begotten Son is here who came to do what to do what work to become Christ he is the Christ Messiah so Messiah Christ it's the same in Luke chapter 117 and Matthew 124 it's the Messiah to come the Messiah to come so this was the basic knowledge of the Jews that the Messiah was to come so those who met the Messiah Yeshua Christ were saying to each other that I met the Messiah Jesus Christ the Messiah to come and the Christ who came so when they saw Jesus he it was the Messiah to come the Christ who came so so it became reality when he came in the flesh Jesus Christ so Christ is not a last name so um, as in Robert Taylor uh, it's not the first and last name Jesus Christ no what Christ means it's the anointed king and Messiah means it's the prophesied king who has been anointed and was to come so when Jesus came he was baptized and when he came out of the water a voice from heaven said this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased so when he received the Holy Spirit that's what was said this is my son uh, he heard this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased that he is my servant that I am well pleased with so from that point on um, in his public ministry Jesus Christ he was anointed yet the people during Jesus's public ministry there were events and uh, signs and they were curious uh, who this man Jesus was uh, so at the time there was John the Baptist who was baptizing people but when people asked him if he was a prophet or if he was the Christ people thought that he might be the Christ but John he said I am not the Christ I am not the Christ I am not he that um, he is the one who comes after me the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie he said I am not the Christ but the one coming after me is so back in time when John was baptizing people uh, his clothes were made of camel's hair and his food was locusts and wild honey so he looked like a man of God and people thought he uh, might be the Messiah but John the Baptist said I am not even worthy compared to him to even untie his sandals that I'm nothing compared to him was what he was saying so what is he going to do uh, says he would gather his wheat into the barn and burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire that gather he would gather his wheat into the barn and burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire so he and he was just the voice of the one calling in the wilderness to lead people to repent so that they can be led to Christ that I baptize with water 
I am just a prophet who leads the people to Christ. But compared to the Christ, I am nothing. That's what John the Baptist said. But to these people, it was so important to them whether this uh, Messiah was a descendant of David or not. So when he went to places, people followed him crying out, Son of David! Uh, descendant of David. Why was it so important for him to be the son of David? It had to match the prophecy that the Messiah would come from Jesse's root, the root of Jesse. They were There were people referring to Jesus as the son of David, as a descendant of David. But the Pharisees said, be quiet, you don't even know what you're saying. And they were shocked because whenever they referred to him as a descendant of David, it was a very provoking statement. So when we call Jesus, we're not really stuck on the notion of him being the son of David. But to the Jews, it meant a lot. Whether he was the descendant of David or not, whether he really was the Messiah to come, uh, whether he really was the Christ who came or not. So it was a very significant as it had to align with the prophecy coming from the root of Jesse, the son of David. So looking at the history of Israel, it was just, it was an important fact as they were stripped of their sovereignty as a nation and were subjected to other nations. So they needed a king uh, for their nation to be restored. So they were very curious if he was the Messiah and truly the Christ. Then the people kept following him and, sh and shouting and yelling, son of David, son of David. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples, I tell you. He replied, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Meaning that even the rocks are so pure and will talk about the king that God sent and will therefore reveal, uh, will therefore be revealed. Um, but because you are blind, he won't reveal himself to the blind. So the people didn't realize who he was. So now we turn to Psalm chapter 72, 1 to 3, to see how much they were interested in the Messiah. So it says, Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. He will judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. The mountains will bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruits of the fruit of righteousness. This was a prophecy written about uh, their yearning heart waiting for the Messiah. That endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. He will judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. The mountains will bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. So to the king, God gave his righteousness to the king uh, to to judge the people in righteousness and um, provide justice uh, to the afflicted, to his people. So thereby, because of that righteousness, the people would live in peace. So the king of righteousness, the prince of peace, this was what it's talking about here. So they had been longing for that and in history, uh, it's recorded in the prophecy. So those who knew about scripture, they were waiting for the king of righteousness, the prince of peace. So when the king of righteousness comes, the people will receive peace. 
So they believed that they were in chaos and in wandering because they had no king and lost their sovereignty. But when the king of righteousness, Jesus the Messiah, comes, they will survive and live. And that is why it's recorded here. So now, Jesus being the Christ or not was a very important uh, issue. So the biggest question among the people, this, this was the biggest question among the people of Israel. And the ones who wanted to know whether Jesus was the Christ were who? Who, were, who had the utmost interest in this? Uh, the priests? Who do you think was the most interested? Was it the priests or the scribes? No, they were blind and already rejected him, saying nothing like that can come from Nazareth. They had no interest. But then who? Who studied more than the scribes and priests? It was the Pharisees. So they didn't doze off uh, when you're not interested. You doze off. But when the Pharisees, they had fire in their eyes and ears and um, were very interested in every word and everything that he did. So Matthew chapter 22, 41 to 46. So while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So this was a direct conversation between Pharisees and Jesus, that you guys are the most interested and the most knowledgeable of Scripture. And he was using this verse that we just read. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. The Lord said to my Lord. So who is my Lord here referring to? To Jesus Christ. So God to Jesus Christ. So God said to Jesus Christ, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. So when Jesus Christ died and resurrected, God raised him back up. And now he's, Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of God until then. So he sits there until then because Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of God and the reason why he is still there is until he puts his enemies under his feet so if then David calls him Lord if then David calls him Lord how can he be his son it says here that David called him Lord how can he be his son how can he be his son meaning that David called Jesus the Lord how can then Jesus be his descendant is what that means so do you understand what I'm saying it's a confusing but I hope you understand so these references in the Old Testament Jesus Christ was explaining this that David called me called me the Lord which means I am Christ that I came as the Christ so by lineage, it seems like uh, he came from the root of Jesse or David's uh, lineage. But no, I came as the word of God who became flesh. 
In other words, I came from the lineage of faith from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is Jesus Christ who has been given birth by a virgin, the Son of God, uh, the Christ. So what was the purpose of this? It was just impossible for them to accept Jesus as Christ, but he wanted them to receive and understand this. Therefore, only a few believed. And uh, those who were sick and healed believed, but the rest all um, called out with one voice to crucify Jesus. That even if they were healed from sickness and witnessed miracles, they wound up betraying Jesus because they didn't understand uh, that Jesus came as Christ. That though he came from the lineage of David, but he is the Lord God. He is the Word who became flesh, uh, the incarnate Word, Jesus Christ. They couldn't believe that because to them it was so important to have a king. What king? The king of righteousness. So as Jesus Christ died on the cross, what did he say? He said, it is finished. And what did he finish? He finished, he completed all the righteousness of God. So he fulfilled the righteousness of God, the word of righteousness, the revealed word of God, the righteous words of God he obeyed and he completed. So when he died, it's the completion of righteousness. Psalms 98.2 says, The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. The Lord has made his salvation known that he, his righteousness was made clear to them. So when Jesus Christ died, it's clear, it's profound what has been revealed. And yes, he was crucified by the voices of Rome. So everything was through Rome. And that's why his righteousness, his salvation was spread all over the world. And um, the Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to all nations. So he died according to the word of the Father, for he believed the word of the Father is the word of righteousness and believed that the Father would raise him back to life as the Father is righteous. He, with his death, he condemned the unrighteous devil and also uh, he did the righteous work which was redeeming all mankind. Now those who receive the blood he shed are justified, made righteous and made the people of Christ. So the people who are reigned by the king of righteousness, now such people must therefore be righteous, that I have been made righteous by faith. And to such people, Jesus Christ is the king. Only the righteous can be ruled by the king of righteousness. And those who are not righteous have no relation with the righteous king. So after Jesus died, he resurrected, confirming that he is the king of righteousness. That he was born in righteousness, died in righteousness, and did righteous works, and resurrected in righteousness. And God acknowledged that, and as evidence, he raised him back up. And when he resurrected, he declared, may there be peace. And was what he said as a king of righteousness, that through his rule and reign as a righteous king, uh, what is distributed is peace. He then ascended to heaven and is seated on the throne as a king of righteousness, the prince of peace who rules forever and ever. And shortly after, the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit 
testifies that Jesus is the Christ. The spirit that testifies Jesus is the Christ. And so Peter, he testified uh, in Acts chapter 2, 29 to 30. So Peter was saying that Jesus is the Christ, that the God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So why was he crucified? He was put to death as a sinner, uh, treating him as just a human. But the Jesus whom you crucified, God made him both Lord and Christ. Now this is a profound event. And after hearing this, they were uh, worried and concerned and were afraid and uh, repenting as if if this were true. And about 3,000 of them converted because to them this was a major uh, issue. Jesus being the Christ and the King of Righteousness that they crucified, this was just devastating. So today, to us who have received the Holy Spirit, this is a very important fact as well. This fact that happened is so historically profound and something that was catastrophic and that Jesus is the Christ, the King of Righteousness. And if this is a fact, then it is just so profound from that point on from Jerusalem and uh, we see how the gospel spread as this was such an important event and the church is a gathering of people who have this faith it's the establishment of the kingdom of Christ so now the church is a kingdom of Christ here on earth and is a place that is governed by righteousness and peace so it's a fortress of righteousness and completely different from the world. The church is completely uh, is a completely different kingdom from that of the world. And as this is a place where the prince um, is where the is the place where the peace that comes from Christ, the words of Christ are law and where the Christ, the king reigns. And that is the church. So I am a Christian and as Christians what you have to do you have to keep and act in the word of righteousness the words of Christ so not of Moses but the words of Christ the words of Jesus Christ and you have to obey and put into action in James chapter 2 12 it says speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom so it's the law that gives freedom or the law of liberty that you will be judged. What is the law of freedom? Why didn't it just refer to the law of Moses? Because it is not the law of Moses, but the law of freedom. The condemnation under the law of Moses is finished and all done in the Old Testament. Now we have to abide by the law of liberty. So it's not referring to the law of Moses. You can't refer to this as a law of Moses it's not that this is talking about the law of liberty the law of freedom and that is the truth so the truth is the words of Jesus Christ the words of the Father the words of Jesus Christ the words of the Father so now the law of liberty the law that gives freedom the truth is going to judge you and that is how you ought to conduct yourself as you will be judged by that so are we going to be judged we believe in Jesus 
is there going to be judgment? The King of Righteousness is coming back to judge. Jesus Christ, the King of Righteousness, will judge the living and the dead. So other churches today are talking about a Christmas message um, that Jesus Christ is the King of Righteousness, the Prince of Peace, but likely they are not talking about him coming back as the judge. So then why am I just spoiling the party, you may be wondering. Because without judgment, righteousness means nothing. Righteousness has no meaning if there is no judgment. Because there is judgment, righteousness is important. And by what will he judge? It will be with the truth, the words of Jesus Christ. By the words of the King of Righteousness, he will judge. So on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses, Elijah both vanished while on the Mount. And the Father God told uh, the disciples after Moses and Elijah disappeared to uh, listen to Jesus, that uh, listen to him and not only listen with your ears, but uh, to follow and put into action. Amen. So the righteous way, the way of righteousness, the, the way of righteousness and truth are the same. So now, because this is so important, we will also turn to Second Peter chapter 2. 20 to 22. If they escape the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then put and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them the proverbs are true, the dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. So if you know what the way of righteousness, the truth is, it's a relief, else it would be hell. But it says here that if you followed and then left, if you, have, if you turn your back on the sacred command, then it's better to not have known the way of righteousness. That if you know the truth, the way of righteousness, you must keep the sacred command. Because if you do not, it's like a dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. That if we do not keep the righteous way, it's as good as nothing. So if you have been made righteous by faith, say amen. I am righteous. I am righteous, I am righteous, then what do you have to keep? What is the law that the righteous have to keep? It is the commands of Jesus Christ. If you do not keep them, then it's as good as nothing, and meaning hell. It means hell. Isn't this concerning? Isn't this fearful? Then what must we do? If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, the result is very scary. But as we spoke of last week, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah! And so we have a way to live, for the Lord remains faithful. If we struggle to live, He will spare us and save us. Amen. Hallelujah! Lastly, if we believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he is the King of Righteousness, the Prince of Peace, then in our lives, uh, through whatever the trial, uh, test, temptation, persecution, 
He will give us peace. This unshakable peace. It's this peace that the people of the world cannot fathom, and it's the peace that Jesus uh, that comes from Jesus Christ. That in persecution and hardships, even if we're put to death, we shall not be afraid, for He is going to give us that peace. Amen. Hallelujah. There's nothing that we should be worried or concerned about. Therefore, Amen. So we are going to live in peace and cry, Amen, Amen, Hallelujah. So it does the whatever the test, whether it's being unemployed or in sickness or their acts of war, we have no concerns as Jesus Christ is ruling as the King of Righteousness. And if we are His people and follow in His righteous ways and keep His commands, so now the righteous King He wants to give to His people peace. And if we follow in his words according to his law, this gives glory to his name, and in his name he will surely reward with peace. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus came in the flesh? And who is he in essence? He is God. He is spirit. But do you believe he came in the flesh? Do you really believe that? Do you? Hallelujah. To know this fact that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Who would welcome this the most? Who would welcome this the most? Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Yes. Um, I myself in the past, I was rejoicing um, during the season in my high school years. So I went to a church uh, because my friend uh, took me there. And... Um, it was uh, during Christmas time and um, I went there and people were singing Silent Night, Holy Night and it was a good and very peaceful and then after that uh, the student um, association would gather in circles and play these fellowship games like this and it was really fun and entertaining and um, so I had uh, we had a very strict all-girls high school and we couldn't sit in the same room with guys so this fellowship was really fun and we called out our names and it was even more fun especially when they called out my name and I think I went there for uh, another year but it wasn't really that much fun anymore as I didn't know what I was doing there but and whenever it was the season we sang carols like joy to the world and the people of the world still do not have a clue uh, and uh, during Christmas season, uh, they're singing these carols as this uh, the season, and uh, they're partying away and they're shopping the time away, and people are spending the season without truly knowing the reason. But of all in the world, who welcomes Jesus the most? Raise your hand. It's me. I would say it's me. Why? The worst of sinners, the chief of sinners the worst of sinners and not only that trash I'm trash that I'm trash a loser and failure failure who has no hope it's these losers the worst of all sinners who will welcome Jesus who came as Christ the most because if he had not come I'd be number one to go to hell isn't that right so let us think carefully about this Jesus Christ coming in the flesh the fact that he is the Christ this what does that have to do with me 
that if Jesus Christ had not come to this world as man, then what relation do you have with Christ? The fact that Jesus came as Christ, what does that have to do with your life? So I'm sure nobody here would say this, but some may think uh, that it might have been better not to have come here and ask why was I led here and people telling me to go to church, telling me not to do uh, these things. There are people who say this, but, um, but if Jesus had not come as Christ, there is no reason to even think of my life without that fact. That if this isn't fact, then I w it would have been better not to have been born. And if it is true, then my life means something. That there's meaning to my life. Amen. Hallelujah. Because in my life, this is everything. And the most important in my life, 2,000 years ago, Jesus coming as man. And because of this, my life has, uh, it's a meaningful life. And uh, that has been given to me and now gives clear purpose and reason. Uh, so I will continue to proudly and boldly preach and proclaim the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So let us think about what the rest of the world is doing on a day like today. They have no clue, clue of the real reason for the season, uh, spending time lost in the world. And when we think about this, carefully how this is important and impacts our lives that if you don't then there's no reason for existing how meaningless this life is then from dust we came and to dust we return was such a meaningless life but knowing this fact and by this grand event I have found meaning in my life amen I will do the most meaningful work hallelujah let us pray 